the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website, and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. Welcome to a special hour-long edition of the podcast. I will be joined shortly by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, and we will be giving you our game-by-game predictions for the Buffs and the 2022 season. We didn't compare notes beforehand, so you will learn along with me what Brad and Neil have to say about the Buffs' chances against TCU in the season opener, all the way through to the regular season finale at home against Utah. So, can CU, a 10-point underdog to TCU, open the season with an upset? Will the Buffs benefit from a tough non-conference slate, or will early losses sap the enthusiasm of a young team? Will Herm Edwards still be the Arizona State head coach by the time the Sun Devils get to Boulder in late October? Will the Buff Nation be frustrated once again with a November with a five-win team not able to get over the hump and earn a sixth win and a bowl bid? And how many of you will get the seemingly obscure references to a 40-year-old movie? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back and creeping ever closer to the 2022 season. Stuart White here, here joined by Brad, Highlands Ranch Geiger. How's Brad doing? Brad's doing well. It's very hot recently, but uh, fall is in the air. Players are in camp. Life is getting better. (laughs) Is life better in downtown Denver? Welcome, Neil Langland. Well, my part of town did not get flooded on Sunday night, so we're kind of high and dry here. Uh, Larimer Place is humming along, and there's a ball game at Coors Field. A lot to do down here, but just kind of marking time until September 2nd, really. Okay. Well, to help our small cadre of listeners get ready for September 2nd, we're going to uh, <laughs> march through the calendar and see if we can find six wins or more for the University of Colorado in the 2022 season. But before we do that, we're about midway through Fall Camp 2022, anything that's uh, stood out to you, Neil, about uh, what you've heard or read about your dear old CU Buffaloes? I have been trying to read local and uh, other sources, and it reminds me of going to the aquarium where the lights inside are all turned off and you can't see any of the fish. Uh, You know, I'm still in the dark, frankly, bad metaphor, but the information that has come out is mostly mostly coach speak. 
a lot of new kids turning heads. I have no idea what that means in terms of how CU is going to be in its first few games. Still no word really on the quarterback race other than we may be on a two-quarterback system at least part of the time. And otherwise, not much to go on. Okay. Well, sometimes no news is not necessarily bad news, Brad, but I'm, I'm going to read you the, the quote from offensive coordinator Mike Sanford when he was talking about the two-quarterback system or the potential for a, a two-quarterback system. He said, I believe that both of those quarterbacks, of course, he's referring, referring to J.T. Shrout and Brendan Lewis, are going to be needed at different parts of the year, however that looks. It might be because one guy busts his shoelace and the other guy has to go in there and he throws a touchdown. It might be, obviously, for trend in play. It's not going to be a quick leash. We want to name a starter, but the other guy is not going to hold a clipboard all year, right? Because both are extremely talented players. Now, what's the old adage, Bradford, about if you have two quarterbacks, you have? No quarterback. Oh, sorry. So is that what you're reading into this, that we have two good quarterbacks, but none that have stood out, neither have stood out enough to uh, justify being the man? Well, of course, this is early in camp. I don't love the quote. Nobody loves the quote. It feels more like an offensive coordinator trying to encourage both guys. It's quite clear he hasn't picked one, and that's, I guess, not surprising. He's new. But I would be very – we're not going to see a rotation. We're not going to see any kind of platooning here. One of those guys will, at least for the first couple of games, be the starting quarterback. And if it's not Lewis, I'll be shocked. Okay. You feel the same way, Neil? Is it uh, Lewis with his 12 career starts, or is it J.T. Shrout that at least was rumored to be well in line to becoming the starting quarterback before he hurt his knee last August? Yeah, I, initially uh, last spring, I was all Lewis. I'm a little less Lewis now, but I'm still Lewis. I think that Shrout would really, really have to outperform him in camp for Lewis not to get the start in the first game or two. Okay. So as you guys mentioned, everything else has been roses, the wide receivers, who needs the guys that left, running backs, who needs the guys that left. Uh, the offensive line is doing great things too deep in every position on the defensive line, got more linebackers than we know what to do with. And the young and talented secondary is coming of age as we speak. So since Colorado is doing very, very well, uh, playing against itself, we're going to talk a little bit about how it might do against the rest of the planet. So, uh, of course, we're going to have tips our preseason or not preseason, but our predictions for each game, the week of each game, we'll go into in some depth as to rosters and other things and factors coming up for each game as they appear on the schedule. But I wanted to do a little overview of the whole season and see if we can find six or more wins for the University of Colorado and get them to a bowl game in 2022. So, Neil, by <laughs> flip of the coin... We're going to start with you and TCU, team that went five and seven last year, has its first new head coach in 21 seasons with Sonny Dykes replacing Gary Patterson. The Horn Frogs haven't been to a bowl game 
since 2018. They had a good rushing game. They were terrible on defense last year, as we were. And they went from a 7.5-point favorite over CU in June to now a 10-point favorite over Colorado heading into September 2nd. So 10 points on the road is a lot of points to give. So are you sold on TCU, or is this uh, CU's first upset of the 2022 season? Uh, I'm not sold on TCU. I think they've been on a downward trajectory for quite a while, that they have some downward momentum. Dykes is a good O coach, and they're going to be better in that regard. But I don't think they have enough talent on defense, despite starting our safety. So I think it's going to be a real chance for CU to win if they can muster any kind of a pass offense because I think our defense should be able to hold them. So I'm going to pick CU to win that one. Okay. Well, Brad, you know, this is a team that had a has a senior quarterback in Max Duggan and has a backup that threw for 521 yards in defeating Big 12 champ Baylor last year as a substitute. So the offense apparently has some weapons, but the defense was what was Gary Patterson's calling card seemed to fall apart last year. 10-point underdog, do you think Colorado has what it takes to pull off the upset on national television on Friday, September 2nd? Well, one, they have to if they're going to get to six wins. But I don't think it's unreasonable, and I think 10 points is a lot to, to give. We don't know exactly what this team is going to be like. There's a lot of transfers, including a new head coach. If the front seven on the defense is as good as I think it is, and they can get some pressure on the quarterback, yeah, yeah, there's every chance that this could be a close game going into the fourth quarter at home. And at that point, I would like CU's chances. Okay. So racking up a, a W for the University of Colorado in the season opener. I'm going to go with CU as well. Got to have faith until faith is taken away from us. And while the quarterbacks may not be on a short leash, I think the uh, – Fan Nation for the Buffs is going to put the team on a short leash that uh, we've heard lots of good things, lots of promising things about the new offense and everything like that, but we got to see it on the field. We're going to give the Buffs a win against TCU because, as Brad mentioned, if we're going to find a way to six, then you got to start with one. So, Brad, we'll come back to you the next weekend on the road at Air Force, a team that CU lost to in overtime a couple of years ago, and that was shouldn't have been an overtime game. They were getting mauled. Um, and this was the week after the big Nebraska win that they looked terrible against Air Force. 10-3 and three last year, won 21 of the last 27 games, leads college football in rushing over that span, and, oh, by the way, has a top six defense in that span. So Air Force uh, quality team, I think I saw CBS said they're one of their maps said the best team in each state, and there's a big AF on the state of Colorado, and they said it really wasn't even close, and kind of hard to argue that point at this point. So Air Force opens against Northern Northern Iowa, excuse me, and then has to play rival Wyoming on the road the next weekend. Buffs only game against a non-Power 5 school. Can CU go down to Colorado Springs and and pull out a victory? Most definitely. Yeah, I mean – Let's face it, Air Force beats teams in the Mountain West by execution, and it meets teams outside the Mountain West 
by surprising them with an offense that looks like it came out in 1952. Having to come off that Wyoming game and then face what is a more physically talented CU team, again, if the offense can move the ball, because this is not a great Air Force defense. Uh, If the offense can move the ball, this is the kind of one that if we can score 24 points, I think we can hold Air Force under that. I think this is more likely a win than the TCU game. So I'm even though it's on the road and we're an unknown team, I like CU in this game probably more than TC, against TCU. Okay, Neil, Air Force gives lots of teams fits. They obviously have lots of wins against Power 5 teams. And one little thing that, you know, I saw a tweet that there are six schools in the country that are projected to, at, this, at least at this point, be favorites in all 12 games. The lineup, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, Utah, and Air Force. So at least in Vegas right now, they're projecting that Air Force is going to be the favorite in every game this season, including, of course, against Colorado. So who you got, Falcons or Buffs? I have to go with the Zoomies. I still have nightmares about 2019. I was sitting near that north end zone during the fourth quarter in the overtime. CU was just getting run over, run around, passed over. I know it's a different, both teams are different now, but trying to get a defense ready for an offense that they see very seldom, that's very specific about discipline and assignment. I don't think CU is up to it. I don't think their front four is up to being cut blocked. 70 plays a game and holding up. Plus, there's an altitude disadvantage for CU, sort of a weak <laughs> point, but I'll go with it. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with the Zoomies because I, I I'm not sh- yet trusting CU's offense to not have some three and outs against even a mediocre defense. Brad's right about that, and I'm, I'm sorry I just see the defense wearing down here again. And CU's defense being out schemed again, like they were in 2019. Yeah. Well, I'm sadly going to go with Neil on this one. I'm predicting an L for CU at Air Force for the same reasons that it's a disciplined team. It's going to be a motivated team. They want to show that they're the top team in the state of Colorado. It's not an Army or Navy game, but it's certainly a rivalry game. I don't think CU's played there since the 70s. So, it's going to be a sold-out stadium, mostly blue. And if they show anything like they did, and they've got a quarter, three-year starter, a quarterback, they got a running back, fullback that rushed for 1,300 yards last year coming back. Hope for the best, but this is one where I kind of expect the worst. And, of course, if they do well, meaning CU does well against TCU and shows us an offense that has a pulse, then when we get around to actually predicting Having the tips for that week, I might change my mind. But as we sit here in August, I'm going with with Air Force. Uh, Ooh, I want to reserve that option too, Stu. I yeah, want to no, that's fine. We're, 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 we're just hey, everybody's speculating. It's the same <laughs> speculation we could have had back in January. So you know, we'll see once the season gets started what we're going to predict. But for now, I'm I'm seeing that as a loss. Neil, back to you to start September 17th. Second road game at Minnesota, team that went nine and four last year, including a 30 to nothing whitewashing, embarrassment, thumping, drilling, pick your terminology. 
against Colorado last year. Tanner Morgan is back for his 17th season as quarterback at uh, the University of Minnesota. But they weren't good at passing last year. Of course, that was under Mike Sanford. Top 10 defense, but six of eight defensive linemen are gone, as well as the leading tackler, which was a linebacker and a lockdown corner. They're going to have a couple of easy games, New Mexico State and Western Illinois, leading into the CU game. But then they have a, a game at Michigan State after the CU game. So there might be a little bit of a look ahead for a team that they thumped 30 to nothing last year. Who do you see uh, winning between the Golden Gophers and the Golden Buffaloes? Well, I'll create a little bit of mystery here. I watched uh, from home. And by the third quarter, I was under my my woobie and lifting it just now and again to see what was going on. <laughs> it was so bad. I looked through the uh, the roster for UM uh, when we played them last year, and they are big, and they have big guys in lots of places. And I fear that, like last year, we're going to be out physical uh, in the front. So I'm going to have to go with uh, the Gophers as much as it hurts to say that. I just think they've got um, too much talent relative to CU at this point. Okay. Well, Brad, they only have one offensive line starter back, but uh, Muhammad Ibrahim is back, and he wasn't even playing against Colorado last year. You know, they didn't have any trouble replacing him when they played the Buffs. Motivation either way for Mike Sanford or Minnesota. Minnesota wants to show that Mike Sanford didn't know what he's talking about. Mike Sanford wants to show that he can be a power five offensive coordinator with success. Not that that means much to the players, but anything that uh, gives you hope for the Buffs playing against Minnesota up in Minneapolis. I fear this will be another Wooby game. And I <laughs> wish I'd been able to watch it under my Wooby last year. The idea, you know, to go on a road, second week in a row, beat a team that just beat you down and go to a place you've never been to before or haven't been to in years. I expect it to be a better game. But in the end, if Minnesota doesn't rush for, you know, I'd be surprised if they weren't able to hang 150, 170 on the defense. It just, they're, they're, Neil's right. They're just going to lean on us all day. And hopefully we'll be in shape enough to stand up to that sum. But it feels like that they'll just do enough on the offense to uh, to not make this a realistic win for CU. Yeah, I'm I'm going to make it a unanimous. Um, I just don't see Colorado at this point. You know, a lot of people think Minnesota is a dark horse to win the West in the Big Ten. They have a lot of talent and nine and fourteen. Like again. Maybe we catch them looking ahead to Michigan State. Maybe we'll catch them being a little overconfident. I mean, they came and beat us 30 to nothing, then went home the next weekend and lost to Bowling Green. So they are capable of laying an egg, but I don't see it at this point. Maybe things will change if CS2 and all going into that game. So out of the non-conference, Brad's got us two and one. Neil and I both have us at Colorado being one and two. So this Pac-12 opener will be the swan song, the farewell to Boulder performance for UCLA before they head off to the Big Ten, because obviously C will play at UCLA next year, and then they'll leave the year after. Brad, get to start with you. 
you said he was eight and four last year, first winning season since 2015, still didn't go to a bowl game because of COVID issues. They dropped out like two hours before kickoff. But CU's won three straight against UCLA and Boulder. The last time CU lost to UCLA at home was the Brett Huntley three overtime game uh, in 2014. And so Chip Kelly's still looking for his first win as a UCLA head coach in Folsom Field. So Buffs come home for the Pac-12 opener. Who you got? This is a winnable game. I'm not buying UCLA as a powerful team. Um, I think Chip Kelly has proven that overrated is not just for teams. They feel to me like a sloppy team. They feel to me like a team that has challenges getting up for teams that they see as beneath them. Yeah, it's hard to come. I mean, CU's coming back home after two, being on the road for two weeks. I really want to pick CU in this in this slot. I think they can win it. Um, if they're two and one, like I hope they will be, they probably will play this well. But in the end, I do think UCLA is still probably the better football team. And I got to go with that. But if CU were to pull this one off, I wouldn't be shocked. Okay. So, Neil, you got a team that is coming into Boulder 3-0. and um, Don't even have to spend any time wondering about that. Their schedule is Bowling Green, Alabama State, and South Alabama. When so, do we get that schedule? Well, I wish we had that. You know, the, the narrative about the University of Colorado would be completely different if we had that opening schedule. CU's road, the road game against CU, actually, it's the only road game they have until October 22nd. They only have four road games their entire season, play eight home games. They were 107th in pass defense last year. And the defense only has two returning starters. But DTR is back. Charbonneau is back. What do you think about the, the Bruins coming and invading Folsom? Uh, is this a, a game that CU can win? It is. I think Brad's right. And it all depends on CU's passing game. If they can develop a passing game and have a little bit of balance on offense, they have a chance. And uh, the reason I emphasize the passing game is UCLA's pass D last year was awful. Just plain awful. If we can exploit that, we have a chance to win. And you know, I think Chip Kelly may have gotten over the hump slightly, but I'm not a believer in him anymore. I think the game has caught up with him, but they have their quarterback returning, who is a dynamic player. And I worry that he's going to make some sort of special play. So reluctantly, I'm going to pick the Bruins, even though it would be so nice to send them out of here and onto the Big Ten with a loss. Would love to see that. If I'm wrong about some of these um, out-of-conference games, CU may come in with some momentum, and it could be a very interesting game because I think CU is going to be highly motivated. I think the crowd's going to be highly motivated. So the, the stage is set for an upset, but, but I'm you, still going to have to say UCLA. Okay. Well, I'm going to be the contrarian here. I'm going to pick the upset for many, many of the reasons that you guys have mentioned that, you know, only two returning stars on defense and that was a bad defense, 107th in the nation in pass defense. They will be three and zero, but it's going to be a very shaky three and zero. the crowd. I don't know about the players caring so much about UCLA defecting, but the fans are going to care 
about UCLA coming into Folsom for the last time for the foreseeable future. Um, so I think the crowd will be into it. And I think that, yeah, they've lost three straight. They haven't won in Boulder under Chip Kelly. And for whatever reason, yeah, I'm afraid of what Dorian Thompson Robinson can do both with his arm and his legs, but hopefully Colorado will be sharpened by their non-conference schedule and UCLA will be softened by their non-conference schedule. And this will justify why CU is playing the schedule that it is and not starting three and zero with three cushy games. So uh, if you're, if you want some motivation for the game, the PAC 12 network in the run up to the season plays old games. Look for the 2002 CU at UCLA game. Terrific game. That'll get you revved up and ready to watch a pasting of UCLA. Yeah, so it was Chris Brown running all over the place. Played in the Rose Bowl of 98-degree heat or something like that. It was uh, right. CU's last win over a ranked team. The 2002, we went from 2002 on the road until we beat Nebraska in 2018. So it was like 16 years without being a ranked team on the road. But yes, by all means, or go to the CU at the Game archives and you can watch it there. So thank you, Neil, for that plug. Even better. Yeah. Even better, yes. <laughs> or just That's where I watch it. That's where so, you watch it, yes. Or just go yeah. to YouTube. So at the one-third mark, we've got Brad with the two-and-two two record for CNU. I've got him at two-and-two, and, two, and Neil's got him at one-and-three. So, Neil, now they're going on the road, speaking of 98-degree temperatures, to face Arizona in Tucson. Now, it's October 1st. Obviously, it's probably going to be a night game. Arizona won an 11 last year with its only win, a 10-3 win over Cal, when Cal had about one-third of its team out with COVID. But they seem to have everybody, they seem to be a darling, if only because everybody thinks that if they win four games and they say they're going to be improved, that they're going to look brilliant. Pretty decent on defense, middle of the road on defense. Not so great on scoring defense, but otherwise, you know, they play pretty well. But they've got a non-conference schedule that kind of rivals CU. They play at San Diego State, Mississippi State, and Mike Leach. And then defending national champion, North Dakota State, which is an FCS team, which we can't laugh about because CU has to play them in a couple of years. Ugh. So then they play at Cal before returning home to play CU, and then they go on the then they play Oregon the next week. So Neil, tell us your your prediction. We'll start with you this on this game. Well, long story short, I'm going to go with the Buffs here. I fail to understand how the football media is ca- uh, casting the uh, Arizona coach as the Gandalf of college football. They were awful <laughs> last year. And no one is going to turn around a program that far, that fast. While they have some talent coming in, it's young, inexperienced. If the, if the uh, recruiting services are right, I think CU, even on the road where they are, typically awful, comes out of there with a win. Okay. Brad, they got a team that might be down a little bit because their non-conference schedule is tough, so might have two teams that are – struggling by as the calendar turns to October, do you think the Buffs have a chance of winning in the in the desert on October 1st? Yes. As a matter of fact, I think they should be favored in that game. Uh, Arizona could have lost. Yeah, if Arizona wins three of those games before they get to us, it'll be a different deal. 
they could easily be winless when we come in. And I think if you're winless after the season you had last year, that team will quit. And particularly if you've lost to an FCS team. So I like this game. I've always liked this game. I think CU is the better team, despite what the media might think. And so I'm going to pick CU to win this game. Yeah, well, I'm going to make it unanimous. I think this is a W for Colorado. Again, if they're going to get to six, this is an obviously must win. They did get Jaden Deloria at the transfer from Washington State. He had some good numbers up in Pullman, and they do have some good wide receivers. But I think if they had UCLA schedule, again, not to harp too much on schedules, but if they had UCLA schedule and started 3-0, and there might be a lot of momentum heading into the conference schedule. But, yeah, I would not be surprised if they are 0-4 when Colorado gets to Tucson. So um, I'm going to go with a W on that one as well. So that gets uh, to 3-2 for Brad and 2-3 and for Neil. And I've got them at 3-2, and 2-0 and <laughs> in Pac-12 play. So. Ever the optimist am I. Uh, now, CU then has a bye week to get ready for a home game against the Cal Bears. Cal was 5-7 and seven last year, including a really embarrassing 26-3 domination of Colorado in Berkeley. Every skill position player who started the season finale is gone. They have Jack Plummer, not to be confused with Jake Plummer, I guess, the quarterback, a transfer from Purdue. Uh, Justin Wilcox, surprisingly, Brad, you know, turned down the Oregon job to stay at Cal. So how do you see the game against the, the Golden Bears unfolding in Boulder on October 15th? I like the fact that we have a bye coming in there. I, you know, I think we're coming off a win in Arizona. We've got two weeks to prepare. I don't understand why anybody's optimistic about that Cal team. I don't see the talent. I don't see the winning ability. Yeah, that was the second most embarrassing loss last year for CU, and I hope that reminds some people about that. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think that's two wins in a row for the Buffs. Okay. Well, Neil, Cal's got a couple of wins to start the season. UC Davis and, oh, what's that guy, Hawkins, somebody, you know, was their (laughs) coach. Uh, UNLV, then they have to go at Notre Dame. So there's going to be a loss in their non-conference. They then start conference play with Arizona and at Washington State. And after they play CU, they have to play Washington and Oregon back-to-back. Defense has four returning starters, decent in some of the areas. Both, you know, the numbers, a lot better, obviously, than CU's numbers. But Cal took us apart last year. 26-3, 26-3, to three, it wasn't even that close. It was pretty, pretty sad game to watch. There were a lot of sad games on CU's schedule last year, but can uh, Colorado make it uh, another home win uh, by beating the Cal Bears? There, <clears throat> excuse me, there is something between the two UCB teams, and Cal seems to have CU's number. I remember back when um, Cal played here, um, is a non-conference game, and we lost. I think at the very la- at the very end or in overtime, and we have not played well against Cal in the last decade. I don't know what it is, but I think Brad's right that 
this is our year this year. Cal is kind of so mediocre in every aspect. And I'm expecting CU's offense to come along. We have, I think, a very good chance to win that game. And I'm going to go with the bus. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll make it unanimous. I'm going to – this is one that I went back and forth on several different times because, I, again, you know, just seeing Cal on the schedule gives you kind of an ill feeling because some of our history with Cal, as you mentioned, Neil, that we haven't played very well for whatever reason against the Bears. But it's a home game. If it was in Berkeley, I would pick Cal to win. But since the Buffs are at home – I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the buffs. So at the midway point of the schedule, Brad and I have the buffs at four and two, and Neil has them coming back all the way to three and three. Now it's off to Corvallis. So Neil, we'll start with you. Oregon State, seven and six last year, including that exciting 37-34 overtime loss to Colorado. I, I like one you – know, there's one thing in Athlon I saw that I think was really apt. It was an opposing coach, one of those anonymous quotes from an opposing quotes that says, not impressive in any way. They're just competent and competitive. And I think Jonathan Smith's teams, that really kind of is what they are, that you can't say, oh, well, they're going to beat you with their passing game or they've got a great secondary that's going to shut you down. There's nothing about Oregon State that on paper should scare you. And yet they tend to play very well. And this game will be in Corvallis. So who you got? You got the Buffs or the Beavers? I don't know. <laughs> honestly. I I think the uh, I think OSU, I think the Beavs and Jonathan Jonathan Smith, do they, do they still have the same OC that they had when they were here last? I believe the guy that used to be here. Yeah, and Chance Nolan is back at quarterback and they've got a good running back. Uh, good running game and strong offensive line. I mean, they're just, again, they're solid, but not spectacular. I think CU won last year. It was a bit of a fluke, actually. It was good fortune for CU. They played well enough to win, but they needed a break. I think the balance that OSU has and my bias toward teams that have strong running games and strong offensive lines, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go with the Beavers on this one. Okay. Brad, what are you thinking about uh, a team that does have eight returner starters on defense? Their schedule, Boise State, at Fresno State, Montana State, which, by the way, is number four in the nation in the preseason polls. Go Bobcats. Go Cats. Then, which is, you know, a good, a good test. I mean, I think, you know, that game is actually going to be played in Portland. USC, they, their conference, they start USC at Utah, at Stanford. And then they play the buffs. So, you know, they've got some tough games. They can either show that they are worthy of competing. And I won't say the Pac-12 North because the Pac-12 North doesn't exist anymore. But competing to be a top rated team or a top level team in the Pac-12. Can the buffs go into Corvallis and get another close win? I hate this game. I think talent-wise, by this point, we should be able to play with Oregon State. I just don't see us going on the road up there and playing well enough. Um, again, it's a game you could win, and you would hope that it was possible. But that trip, that team, 
Oregon State's not going to make a mistake, not going to make the, the killing mistake. I got to pick the Beavers on this one. Yeah, I went back and forth as well. And unfortunately, I'm going to make it unanimous on this one as well. But I think it's going to be a loss. I think we could lose to Cal, then beat Oregon State. Or we could beat Cal, we could beat I mean, it's, you know, those are really kind of the, the make or break games along with the next game, you know, against against Arizona State that, you know, kind of going to decide the, the season for CU. I just, you know, they did finish seven and six last year. They they played well, and they should have, could have maybe beaten Colorado in Boulder. Um, they're probably looking forward to playing us again. You know, again, when they have the quarterback coming back, good quarterback play and a good running game and a strong offensive line. So hurts me to say it, but I'm afraid that might be a loss. Now the Buffs, October 29th. Brad, we'll go back to you to face the Arizona State Sun Devils that finished 8-5, and five, including a 35-13 win over CU in Tempe. Again, one of those quotes from an opposing anonymous coach, this is the biggest dumpster fire in college football. It is absolutely mind-blowing that Herm Edwards is still employed. So no coach is going to say that on the record, but we'd all probably agree with it if you're talking about what's going on and why the NCAA hasn't taken him out. Jaden Daniels has gone to LSU. They've only got two returning starters on offense, three returning starters on defense, and yet people seem to think that Herm Edwards has got it figured out and the program turned around. So back in Boulder, October 29th, Arizona State, CU versus the Sun Devils, who you got? Boy, there may be no game on the schedule I want quite as much as this. <laughs> Arizona State offends me on every possible level. And they're just not as good as they think. I did have a chance to watch that Xavier uh, Valade who's their uh, starting running back transfer from Wyoming. Kid can play. My family is all, my in-laws are all Wyoming folks, so I am forced to occasionally watch some brown and gold. And that kid can play and, and, and will contribute. This is a game where CU will not be favored. I wouldn't be surprised if they're 10-point underdogs. And honestly, if they came in here in the midst of a good October snowstorm, I wouldn't mind it a whole lot. This is the one where we'll determine if CU is a middle of the level, a middle of the road team, or a bad team? And I'm going to pick middle of the road, and I'm going to pick a win here. Okay. Well, Neil, they've got kind of a mixed bag to start. They've got Northern Arizona, the Lumberjacks, but then they go on the road to play Arizona, State, Oklahoma State, excuse me, then Eastern Michigan at home. But their conference schedule: the Sun Devils start Utah at USC, Washington at Stanford. And then we'll have to play UCLA after they play the Buffs. Is it going to be a dumpster fire? Is Herm Edwards like, actually might even be coach at the end of the October of 2022? Or is an 8-5 and team that uh, Herm Edwards and his professional list of assistant coaches has got it all figured out and is going to play the transfers and beat CU again after beating him by 22 points last year? Um, ASU will not be as strong on offense this year. Their defense, which was very good last year, will be not quite as strong. I think with that tough schedule and the motivation that CU fans will have, I think Brad's attitude characterizes it very well, that ASU, for some reason, just rubs me the wrong way. 
<laughs> and the thing that's going to tip the scale for me is I think they have the ugliest colors, the ugliest uniforms, and it's going to be CU that comes out looking classy, looking tough, and it's going to be the crowd that carries the buffs over the line in a narrow victory. Wow. Well, that's saying something. We were just talking about Wyoming uniforms, but in deference <laughs> to Brad's in-laws, we won't do uh, not get me in trouble. We will not go any <laughs> no. further on that. No, Wyoming's colors are well matched and they're different than ASU's, markedly different. Okay. Well, hope that helps, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with you guys. Going to make this, uh, I think, four games in a row that we all agree and go with the win. I think what stands out to me is the fact that they've got two returning stars on offense and three returning stars on defense that. You know, you can do it with smoke and mirrors, but they had, you know, they got hurt as much, if not more, by the transfer portal and defections um, as Colorado did. So I'm banking on the fact that after they get beat up on by Oklahoma State, Utah, and USC, and perhaps even Washington or Stanford, that they're going to be kind of heading south and looking for the exits um, by the end of October. And that's going to be a, a nice win for the University of Colorado. Well, now we turn to November, and I think it was Gary Barnett that would always say that the games they remember are played in November, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if that's going to hold true for the University of Colorado Buff Nation because it's not looking super great. Uh, November 5th, home game. Neil, we got the Oregon Ducks. Coming in after a 10 and 4 season, beat CU 52 to 29 last year. So you actually had some semblance of an offense. Uh, of course, that was because Oregon was on its way to scoring 52 points. They do have a new head coach that has never been a head coach before. They do have seven returning starters on offense and defense. They do have to play Georgia in the opener. Any chance, Neil, that uh, Colorado beats Oregon for the first time since 2016? I think the Buffs will come out strong emotionally, but by mid-second quarter, it's going to be another whoopee game, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> I think Oregon just has too much talent in so many, in too many places. And even if they're overlooking the Buffs and discounting the Buffs, they have enough to win. Okay. Well, Brad, the only, you know, if you want to have a something to cling to, the schedule after they play at Cal the weekend before CU, um, they finish out their season against rival Washington, Utah, which may be competing with them for a playoff bid or at least the Pac-12 title or bid to the Pac-12 championship game. And of course, they finish on the road against rival Oregon State. So if you're an Oregon Duck fan and you're looking at your November schedule saying, wow, we got three games that we care about. And then there's that, you know, road trip to Boulder. So any chance that Buffs can use that to their advantage and surprise the Ducks in Boulder on November 5th? Not much. Okay. Um, you know, I, <laughs> if the CU team is who we think they are, maybe they've got a puncher's chance. Maybe the weather's not good, but that's just a better Oregon team. They're, they're, just, they're just more talented, um, arguably probably going to be better coached. Certainly going to be more confident. I, I, I've racked my brain to try to say something that I thought would get us to this game. 
But other than the fact that it's home, not much. They're just, this is not one you can feel good about. Yeah. Well, I'll go with the, go with the consensus here. I just don't see it happening. Even if Colorado is coming off with some good games with those marginal games with Arizona state, Oregon state and Cal that might all be victories, or at least, you know, certainly see who can be competitive in those games, beating Oregon with this roster that probably will be suffering some injuries at that point. The depth is going to show up and yeah, it's not a game I'm presently planning on flying down for. Let me put it that way. Now, if we're, you know, something like 8-0 at that time and ranked in the top 10 in the country, then, yeah, I will change my plans and come down for the Oregon game, but not currently on my schedule. Well, Brad, then that turns around five, six days later. Buffs will be on national television on Friday night, FS1, against another team that finished 4-8. and Now, how often do you have a national televised games against two teams that were four and eight the previous year, unless, oh, wait, one of them was USC. And most talked about team in the offseason, new head coach. Obviously, they beat in Colorado every time. I think it's up to 15-0 and 0, lifetime against Colorado. Caleb Williams, you've got a couple of buffs that are going to be playing. They might even put Brendan Rice in there, you know, just to give him some playing time because he hasn't played up to that point. Any chance that uh, CU after playing Oregon will go six days later, go on the road and on national television upset USC on Friday night? No. Again, these are the two, these are these two games are just so hard. There is not just a talent difference. There is, I mean, bottom line is USC to look at four, four and eight and said, no, not ever again. And being SC, they threw money at the problem. And there are times that does work. They are more talented, probably top to bottom, than CU is. For us to go on the road and and beat them would require such a confluence of unlikely events that if CU goes on the road and beats USC, I will then start buying lotto tickets by the dozen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Neil. Well, again, flicker of hope. Again, looking at the schedule. After USC plays Colorado, their final two games are at UCLA and Notre Dame. So once again, overlooking Colorado as a game that they don't really have to care about. It's a Friday night game, one last day of preparation. So you pull off the upset in the Coliseum or is just uh, another whoopee game? God, this is, yeah, this is a whoopee and a toddy game, I think. Um, I... (laughs) I think CU is going up against a program that is revitalizing itself, both in the stands and on the field. And just looking at all of the talent that has transferred in there, not just from Boulder, but elsewhere, Brad captured it. Going to be so unlikely in so many ways. I think USC could be overlooking CU and still win pretty handily. I just don't see a way where CU can match up for any more than a quarter, if that. Yeah, I I tend to agree. Well, we're getting pretty good at being unanimous on these things. But, uh, yeah, kind of reminds you back a couple of years when LaVisca Chenault took off on a 50-yard run and CU was ahead 7 to nothing in the Coliseum. And then, well, you know, after that, not so much. I don't think we'd have to dwell too much on this game because absent something really unusual – it's going to be a tough one for Colorado to win. I think is 
I think the college football news put it that you can be a better team and not necessarily have a better record. And this is one of those games that will show that that might be competitive at certain levels. But I'm afraid that we get to Oregon and USC injuries and lack of depth, lack of experience uh, is going to start to show on the field. So we'll come back to you, Neil. And September, or I'm sorry, excuse me, November 19th, another road game, back-to-back road games. Now we're going up against another 4-8 team. Washington finished 4-8, including a 20-17 loss at Colorado. This is a team that was ranked 20th in the nation going into the season, ended up with the same record as Colorado. Keelan DeBoer comes over from Fresno State. Only have five starters back on offense, three on defense. Terrible on offense. I mean, CU's offense almost looked decent. 114th in total offense, 107th in scoring, 125th in rushing, but first in passing defense. So that was their calling card, 108th in rushing defense. They're going to come the sandwich game that Washington's going to have. They play at Oregon the week before. They host the Buffs and then have to go to Washington State the next weekend for the Apple Cup. So kind of a sandwich game for them in terms of interest for the fan base. Uh, you see the Buffs going up to Seattle in the rain on November 19th. I'll just predict that it's going to rain on November 19th in Seattle. Buffs pulling out an upset, or is it even an upset to beat another 4-18? I appreciate your spirit in going out on a limb and predicting that weather, Stuart. That, <laughs> that, takes, that takes some moxie, pal. Yeah. Uh, I have a question mark on this game because last year was, I think UW had to be one of the most puzzling, disappointing teams in the country. And watching the game here in Boulder, those kids looked like they were phoning it in, like they could not wait to get the game over. That is uh, the Huskies. I think overall, they probably have a little more talent than CU. I think their coach, what he did with Fresno and Fresno's offense is going to be able to revitalize that offense, especially the passing game. And if our secondary doesn't come along, our young secondary, it could be a long day for the Bucks. However, I'm picking CU in a narrow win. Oh, not okay. sure why. Not sure there, why. There we I, go. I just think I think that UW was just down so far. It's going to take a lot of time to get them going again. Okay. Well, Brad, Neil, the always the optimist, has got uh, <laughs> buffs to taking down the Huskies in Seattle. Are you going to join the buff bandwagon and, and give them a, a, a nice win? To say the obvious, this is our best chance in November. And I go back and forth and back and forth on this one because, you know, I think this is the point where CU may be thinking about well, maybe we're a bowl team. And I don't think Washington's that much better than us. It's that having played SC on the road the week before and then go on the road again to Washington, it just, I can't do it. I think CU can play with that team, but I think probably in Seattle, we're just not quite good enough. Okay. Well, I'm going to side with with Brad on this one as well. That I I, I think after playing Oregon and, and USC that the Buffs are just going to be kind of beaten up at that point. And even though they're going to be stuck on five wins in both Brad and my scenario, he's been had many seasons where we were stuck on five wins, trying to get to six. 
you know, throughout the end of the Mike McIntyre era. And of course that Mel Tucker was the same way. He'd finished with the, you know, the five and seven record and had the chance to get the six wins and couldn't get it done. I just, yeah, hopefully the boss will look at their five and five record at that point. If Brad and I are on the same page at that point and say, yep, this is the game. We can't beat Utah at home on the, in the finale. So if we're going to go bowling, we got to rise up and do that. Um, I don't know. Washington has Michigan State and then two cupcakes. So they'll probably be two and one. But again, they're playing at Oregon and at Washington State in between the CU games. So that's their senior day. But other than that, it's not going to be a whole lot of motivation for Washington to, to beat Colorado. But I think they will. So that leads Brad to the finale against the Utah Utes. The Buffs haven't beat them in, you know, well, a long time. I think 2016. 10 and 4 last year um, in the top 10, 12, 15 teams at some places in the top 10 uh, heading into this year. Beat the Buffs 28 to 13 last year in, uh, in Salt Lake City. Eight returning stars in offense, five on defense. Any chance the Buffs with a chance you have them at five and six? And now with Neil picking up a win against Washington, has them at five and six. I've got them at five and six. Chance to get that sixth win and go bowling. The search for six ends in Boulder on November 26th. A win for Colorado and a, a berth in the bowl, or is this Bilos going to come up just short? I, as I've feared all year, I, they have to come up short. This is probably, it's not the most talented team we'll face, but it's probably the best. They do many, many things well. Everybody nationally is rightfully impressed with them. They're just too good. I like having them at home. Who knows? Maybe, again, weather will play a role. But at that point, I think Utah is playing to see how far they can get. I just think by the end of the season, Utah will have much more to play for than we will. Okay. Well, Neil, they do have to, you know, they have a big game against Oregon in November. So a lot of how they're feeling about themselves will probably be dictated. But again, with the Pac-12 not having divisions, it may already be settled, depending on how USC and other teams do, that those two teams are going to be in a rematch in the Pac-12 championship regardless. So any chance that the Buffs can uh, take down a team that might be ranked in the top 10 in the country and might be looking at a college football playoff berth come November? If they have but one loss coming into this game and are slated to go to the conference championship game, I think they pull out the stops against CU. And the deciding factor really is Whittingham. He has that program humming along to where they may not be outstanding in all areas, but they are well-balanced. They are well-optimized. Their lines are terrific. Quarterback's great. They've got a good running back. They've got some nice receivers, good tight ends. They just have too much for CU at this point, I'm afraid. Okay. Well, I tend to agree with the two of you that even though CU will enter the month of November, in my reckoning, you know, with a five and three record and four chances to get to six wins. I think it might be an over in the month of November 
maybe Washington, you know, depending on how they're the Huskies are doing at that point. But if CU is at five and six and needs to beat Utah, I think we've been five and six and need to beat Utah to get a bowl bid half a dozen times in the last six years, it seems like, and haven't gotten over that hump. So as it turned out, we all have CU at the five and seven record. Neil and I have a four and five in Pac-12 play, one and two in non-conference. Brad thinks a two and one in non-conference, three and six. Uh, a lot of it, I think, is going to come down to the end of the, the mid-October games that the games where you're talking about Arizona State, Cal, and Oregon State, probably the difference between CU having a, a season that they're looking forward and thinking that they've made progress or if they lose those games and headed to November with only two or three wins, people might start be looking for, you know, whether or not Carl Durrell is going to be around for 2023. But any last thoughts before we let everybody go? Brad, five and seven, an improvement over last year, mostly because of the schedule is more difficult, even though it's a better record than four and eight, a better team, but still not over the hump in the search for six. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, understand that there are, you know, in that five and seven, there's probably three games that could go either way. You know, this, it, it is not, I understand the rest of the media does not think that we're that good, but I think, yes, I think you will see substantial improvement. We have to find a quarterback. I think we will. I'm not as pessimistic about that as some, I think the defense will be better. It's going to be hard in those dark days of November to remember that we're better. Um, and I hope that that's reasonable and we can think about it. But we will know by the end of this year, one, if Carl Durrell can do this, and two, if what the trajectory is going to look like. So I think it's slightly up, upward, and I'm not, you know, optimistic is probably a broad word, but I think this will, team will be more fun to watch. Yeah. Well, Neil, at least the offense were promised something better than what we had last year, which was will be worthy on many different occasions. The Minnesota game, Brad and I were talking off air before we got started, remembering that I went to Brad, you know, went to the game and after the game, I went to try and find good Wi-Fi access so I could start writing my app, my game recap. And after a while, Brad sent me a text asking if I was okay. He thought that I might have gone and stood in front of traffic or something. I was pretty despondent after that game. But reason for hope, at least, that this team will be more fun to watch and perhaps surprise some people. I heartily agree with what you and Brad have said, Brad. They will be better. I think in many areas, almost across the board, they will be better. So will the other teams. The problem with this team, they are bowl caliber. If they played a UCLA schedule, I would pick them to be a bowl team. I would as well. I think, um, I think this team and this coaching staff is in essence, a victim, if that's not too strong a word, of a schedule that was made eight or 10 years ago, where we were still with this notion that to be the best, you play the best. Well, I think we're in recovery mode now and we need wins. So we need to have a more manageable schedule. And so I don't think it would be fair to blame the coaching staff or the players for having to take on a schedule for which they're just not quite ready yet. Okay. Well, we'll have to leave it at that for now. We'll come back in late November, early December and revisit our predictions. 
as they were laid out in August. But we will, of course, do our tips, our game-by-game in-depth prediction for each game as the season unfolds, and we have more idea as to what this team is going to be looking like and what the opposition is going to be looking like. Because as we know, there's going to be some teams on our calendar that are going to be better than we thought, and there's going to be some teams that are going to be worse than we thought. So each week we will do our tips, and the next broadcast will be our prediction and our look at an in-depth look at the Texas Christian. Look at TCU. It's Texas Christian. That very Texas Christian. Very oh Texas Christian. Yeah, it's like the Horned Frogs of Texas. It's like nobody says Texas Christian. It's always just TCU, you know. Yeah, there's some branding going on. No. Yeah, exactly. Don't 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 forget the C part. We're just Texas. We're just TCU. They're going to be invading Boulder on September 2nd, and we'll see what happens. So thank you, gentlemen, for your time, and I look forward to uh, going through the 2022 season with you. It's the time has come. We will see what what we're going to get out of this team. Okay. Well, when we meet again, we will be two days away almost from kickoff. So I'm starting to get a little bit anticipatory. I'm looking forward to it. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. This podcast will be the last for the off season as we will begin our weekly preview review episodes the week of the TCU game. Look for our Tips TCU podcast the week before the season opener, and then every Tuesday throughout the regular season. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't have to miss any of the upcoming episodes. As you know, the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See You at the Game website. I'll be back soon with Neil and Brad as the 2022 season is about to become a reality. So, until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time when we will again see you at the game.